You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. She was right. I am dangerous. friends and welcome back to the whole movie podcast the neon demon edition i am returning with um these great minds that i am so excited to continue talking about this movie with great minds please introduce your reintroduce yourselves to the listeners william (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm william o tyler i'm a comic artist uh also writer um and film lover um i host a, a weekly talk show cinephilia on twitch with perception studio um honestly that's and... enough to get me on twitch william that's that's <laughs> i'm following one person on tiktok and it's the bee woman who broke out on twitter this week like the save the bees woman oh, right, and right. now i want to get on twitch just to watch this program of yours yeah twitch is fun and what's really interesting about the program is that we are um since we're live everyone's giving us feedback on what they think about the movies as well mm-hmm. That's so cool. yeah it's a lot of fun but um haven't done a neon demon episode i've been holding all the neon demon stuff for for this thank you and roxana yes uh i'm roxana Haddadi. i'm a pop culture critic i don't do anything interesting or have any interesting hobbies i just <laughs> appear on this podcast to talk about the cheekbones of the ensemble cast. I yes. mean, <laughs> conversations all day. Like you said, of, of Carl Glusman, uh, all angles. Cast all angles. of angles in this Hot movie. angles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you look like a knife that was turned into a human being. It's true. Yeah. That's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God, that's such a great like expression of the ethos of this movie too. Yeah. If, if knives and, were people. Yeah, and I won't say cut me daddy, but I won't not say that Right, either. but you're not, you're not saying you wouldn't. Yeah, like... I might. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not saying you could rule it out in a in a in a fit of a in a fit of like a heat of the moment expression, right? I'm saying like, do you have like a lot of gold glitter paint? Because you're gonna need more than you <laughs> yeah. used for L. <laughs> I mean, that would accommodate. I am I am a small person, but I think maybe a leg. I think you'd maybe get yeah. a leg for the amount of gold paint applied to L fanning on my like human half body. Of, half of my thigh. <laughs> yeah. Just a wisp, <laughs> a wisp of a person. Um, and this this is, I feel like this is the, when I watched this movie, the the topic that we're going to get into today, because we're, we're discussing this movie by scene, this is really, um, this, 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 I, this movie had its hooks in me from like the Im- beautiful, immediate sort of fuchsia and gold flourishes of the title, the title screen when it plays. But immediately we dive into the meat of what this movie's about. And that is today's episode topic, which is, are you food or are you sex? Which I can think we can say Roxana is a scholar in that question. Oh, yes. Having Thank done, <laughs> having written about um, that exact question posed by posed by uh, Ruby, Jenna Malone's character Ruby in this movie for in an essay for Brightwell Dark Room, which is so good. <laughs> and so given that... Do you do you want to start out sort of like giving an overview with sort of like themes that you feel like are, are sort of established in in this early scene in this movie, Roxana? Oh man, yeah. So not I think to put you on that... the spot. I apologize. No, 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 no. It's fine. Well, I think that like it really comes down to these two questions, which mm. are this one question with two answers, which is yeah. established from the very beginning of the film. Like mm. we know that we're going to be looking at a part of Hollywood that honestly is very artificial Mm -hmm. and very performative in this idea of modeling, high fashion, how beautiful are you? And sort of this question of, and this comes up a lot, are you naturally quote unquote beautiful? Right. Or have you become 
an engineered idea of beauty. So I mm -hmm. think the movie from the very beginning sets up these polls as to whether like, are you authentic or inauthentic? What do those things mean for you as a person? Mm -hmm. What do they mean for how other people see you? And I think like the navigation of that space then leads into the, are you food or are you sex question? Mm -hmm. Which at first when we get it is just like, sort of like a you know I don't want to say as women everyone has been there because that's a little bit too broad or reductionist sure. but, but you it's know, one of those I'm things sure... where you could go everyone's been there where there could be sort of a, a shoulder there. shrugging colloquialism thrown right. out there yeah I think it's one of those things where you think about the fact <laughs> that like you know a lot of people in high school have had that experience where you're in the bathroom with the cool kids and they yeah. ask you a question and you're like, oh shit, I don't know. Like, I have no <laughs> idea. But that's very much what that club scene is. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, on its surface about like, which lipsticks do you want to wear? You know? Yes. Like, which shade are you? Mm -hmm. Are you a warm or a cool? Like mm -hmm. all of those sort of questions. Are you a but summer or a winter? Right. <laughs> exactly. But, but obviously like that undercurrent, mm -hmm. which then becomes established very early on. It's like, so are you going to join our coven? <laughs> yeah. <not>? Yeah. <laughs> there really are is. Are you one of us or not? The body language of every single second from the yeah. moment that Jesse enters that club with Jenna Malone, with Ruby, mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to the moment that it ends. It, because Refn is so frequently working at least in this era of his career, <clears throat> with a kind of minimal um, application of dialogue. It really mm -hmm. is up to the physicality. It's, it's like watching a pack of animals relate yeah. to one another and size one another up. And because like it's literally drowned out by music when we mm -hmm. start it, where we can't hear words we see women speaking, but we can't hear them down yeah. to in the in the bowels in the basement where they're in that beautiful bathroom and the way that they encircle her and sort of like intimidatingly form a front that it's just it's like Jesse versus these women who yeah. are at once like alternately inviting her with like cordialness and niceties in the in the case of kind of in the most false way gg very heavily ruby and absolutely no invitation whatsoever from abby from right. from sarah there is i i felt it is so i wrote a bit about this on my patreon but it it, it like it is it did resonate with me so much then and it's really stuck with me how that it feels so reminiscent exactly what you've talked about of those like high school power politics mm -hmm. like i think there's an interesting thing about like how adults I feel like this happens more in your 20s than your 30s. Like by your 30s, I feel like you're at peace with the fact that we love drama and we're all messy bitches kind of thing like that. But like in your 20s, I feel like there's this desire, kind of your early to mid 20s, there's this desire to distance yourself from the child version of yourself. So that you always know, you always know that it, it, at least one person, probably more who said, who the, I just hate drama person. Like the one who's like, oh, right. it's so high school. The Did person who makes drama. Yeah. The person who <laughs> makes it a point of saying that is always the person at the center of whatever the issue is. Right. That person is the epicenter of the, even if it's just fucking benign drama, but mm -hmm. it's, fascinating to learn as we grow up to me one of the most interesting things about becoming an adult has been realizing that like the ways in which we're told adults are is like kind of just bullshit like this the mm -hmm. tribalism of how we are in high school the the way we we feel covetous of certain people the way we pursue certain people you know keep some at a distance because like they make us nervous it those social norms rooted in how we understand high school power politics it just becomes an, a grown-up version of that. It doesn't actually go away. Like right. the 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 tendency toward cliquishness and tribes and it, it, it like the dispelling the notion that you somehow outgrow those things has been a very interesting part of growing up to me. And then you see a movie like this where anytime you have an insular community, maybe it's a journalism community, maybe it's a fashion community, maybe it's the comics community, you see those things emerge again in smaller like representations of the world around you. And it's like, yeah, that feels viscerally connected to things I've been experiencing in like social circles since I was a kid. And it, yeah. this is a sexier version of it, an icier version of it, but it, that base level, it feels very familiar. And I think there are like two <clears throat> things that the scene always reminds me of. One, it feels barely a level above them being like feral. So yes. it reminds me very much of like 
and I think again, all of this is working together, right? But when I think of like the mountain lion mm-hmm. in Jesse's bed, mm-hmm. yeah. I think of it as like a continuation of this because mm-hmm. she very much is entering this scene where she is at the moment prey, mm-hmm. and she might become something else. But as of right now, they're sizing her up to see, you know, how easily can she be consumed? Right. You know, and so I think that part of it, I really like. And, you know, like the mountain lion is a very fantastical element, but I think it says something for what Refn is trying to do in building up these elements of like a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and then puncturing them also very intentionally and just in terms of like body positioning what you said Jordan is these movies don't have anything to do with each other but this scene scene always makes me Mm. think of Taylor Sheridan's Wind River Mm, because in the climax of Wind River Mm -hmm. when they're going to the trailer to find out if the guy that they suspect is the guy that they suspect Mm -hmm. it's like the police force and like the FBI or whatever which is Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Jeremy Renner's character. And one of their comrades says of like the evil, like oil rig workers, like, are you flanking me? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it turns out that like, they are flanking the cops. And when the shootout happens, it's like the oil rig people turning on the police. But I always think of that line, are you flanking me? Like Uh this idea of like, you realize that you're being hunted. Yeah. And what is that realization? like Mm because we're so used to being the top of the food chain yeah that then when you realize that you're in danger I feel like it's a very sort of earth shattering like this wasn't supposed to happen moment I think emphatically so when it when it like that idea of like are you flanking me and the way that the the women are positioned around Jesse it's not exactly suddenly I'm in an impulse moment of danger it's a choreography like mm-hmm. there is a plan aligned to address me here that I am only just now being aware exists. I'm being made aware right. exists. So right. it's not even like a heat of the moment thing. It's a, this is sort of at least like through like shared impulses of the women in front of me, this is an organized attack mm-hmm. and I've, I'm in the middle of it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it sort of feels like, you know, like in vampire movies, when you have like the one vampire who brings like the prey back. Yeah to the group i was like Uh i've seen this buffy episode (laughs) i remember the opening of blade i remember the blood rave (laughs) yeah oh god (laughs) likening likening these supermodels to dracula's brides is pretty awesome actually yeah like i love that idea yeah right Sorry, Dracula's brides are tight. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm super glad Dracula's out of town at the moment because I just want to see them. Yeah, just give me the brides. (laughs) Monica Bellucci was a bride, right? In Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes. You're telling me all of us wouldn't be like, yes, Monica. (laughs) Yes, Yes, Monica, let's depose Dracula. Now, William, I'm curious about how you uh, received the beginning of this movie when it starts playing because like we just we talked before we started about how you have a movie podcast you haven't yet dove into neon demon but we're doing a lot of that here so you got the thoughts in there like how is this movie diving right into like this kind of club scene and the assertions that it's making on when you first watched it um well perspective my perspective not being a woman um great still still taking <laughs> that are you food or are you sex question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um as a black man, of course, I often get liking to being like sexual chocolate, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing. And it's a very um, dehumanizing um, yeah. way to look at someone. It's a, it's a way to see someone as a prop as opposed to a person mm-hmm. um, as a food item or as a sexual conquest or something like that. So it's interesting that this is the question that is asked um, of these women to get to know each other. Like, are you food or are you sex? Mm-hmm. Are are you know, how am I going to be able to conquest you um, mm-hmm. ex- is exactly how they're posing. And the flanking idea is totally what's happening in that scene. Um, I also really love, of course, this is Ruffin and we know his um, style of subtext. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that this this bathroom scene is just a wash in pink Mm-hmm. And and like a blue undertone, it's got this bisexual lighting. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and the color theory in this movie is is pretty outrageous. Um, and the the this movie looks so much more expensive than it is. 
Oh yeah, I they was make surprised. This movie looks so expensive. Watching mm-hmm. the commentary, I was surprised at all the like shortcuts he was taking because he didn't have the money. I'm like, this movie looks like it was made for so much more than it actually was. Absolutely. Yeah. And and what's also very strange to me is that Refn is colorblind. Is he wild? That's he wild. <laughs> um, and so good, good guesses, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow but, but, he, but he still uses color theory to tell the story yeah. um so the color red is the dangerous color in this mm-hmm. movie um and just you know having this opening scene be well first of all the the true opening scene where the very first shot of the movie is jesse on that couch in a yep. photo shoot and she's just slathered in red to mm-hmm. make it look like her neck's been slit um and dousing that, her know, blue dress that she's wearing exactly mm-hmm. exactly um so you know right off the bat that this is red is not not the the, the safest color um mm-hmm. and every time red pops up um something dangerous is happening mm-hmm. so in this this first scene where they're having this conversation it's a wash in like this bright pink which is kind of like setting the tone for you know is this safe or is this not? Because it's yeah. not quite red, mm-hmm. but it's also like, it's still dangerous and it feels dangerous. It's a very tense scene mm-hmm. with these um, these girls in the bathroom. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> and it, there, the setup for, we had, something we had talked about before we started recording was that like a couple of us had forgotten how quickly we get into this scene in the movie. Like you, there are, you are served three visuals sort of in quick succession you get the beautiful title card with like the transforming gold blue fuchsia background on the screen as you hear that pulsing refin music come in and it says the, the neon demon de- dance demon the demon dance the, the demon, demon dance, dance theme as <laughs> my app i fucking love this flourish as that fine gold glitter comes showering down in front of the words the neon demon with his like branding at the bottom nwr <laughs> i just love that so his, his like little ysl look logo in the bottom of the center frame but that, and that then, branding just adds to the synthetic nature of this film it totally. does it's yeah. like what you are about to see is the Givenchy 2020 collection like prepare to feast your eyes set to music and so then and then the first thing we see post title card Jessie covered in blood throat slit jewels on her face and as Roxana points out in her excellent essay very little girl Like the idea Mm -hmm. of the stick on glitter and she has like a braid wrapped around the top of her head. Like these are very childlike ways to make yourself up pretty if you're like having a sleepover with your friends. And we just hear that music as we see a brief image of Carl Glusman's face and the shadows cascading across his bone structure as he has his head turned down and looks like the most ominous man possible who we later basically found out like Chris, he found Jesse on, Jesse found him on Craigslist. It's like, yeah, that he, he looks like the hottest version of a Craigslist killer you could imagine. And then it goes from that into the makeup room where I, I absolutely love the entrance of, of the character of Ruby in this movie because she just, she doesn't try to hide it. She in fact draws attention to how much she is gawking at Jesse when yeah. she says, yeah. am I staring? Like, yeah, like it's a not walk. even it's not even like oh sorry or she does she doesn't look away when right. she is looking at we see her head on and she is looking at Jesse from the mirror because there's incredible mirror work particularly throughout the beginning of this movie and sort of in every what this movie establishes immediately is that as Jesse is doing things in life as Jesse is observing the world the world is observing Jesse sort of mm-hmm. no matter where she's at people are reacting to Jesse. And so we get that first by Carl looking at her and obviously photographing her, but then Elle is like wiping the blood off of her body. And Ruby is just staring at her in the mirror and she wants her to know it and tells yeah. her she has beautiful skin. And, you know, goes over and and very much is like, <clears throat> kind of immediately becomes like, is that older lesbian? Who's gonna be like, I'm gonna take you under my wing. And just the the way that the makeup sets off Elle's eyes as so huge and doe-like when she is suspiciously regarding Ruby, but also knows she doesn't have another person in the world basically at all from what we're made to gather. Mm -hmm. And then Ruby invites her like, Hey, you want to go somewhere? Where? A party? And... I absolutely love that we just dive right into this club scene 
and the way that we get in there just technically i'm so enamored of because we, we get in they're walking into the club and they're walking through a sea of people and the camera's tracking them it was done as they said in the commentary it was done in a single shot so they had to do mm -hmm. it over and over again until they got it right but it's amazing to me it's so amazing to me it's just so evocative to me of that like high school middle school socialization feeling where we see the two walk in and again jesse's still kind of suspicious of ruby of course and she should be and she's walking through the club. She loses Ruby for a minute. Ruby gets ahead of her because Ruby's very self-assured. She knows exactly where she's going. And the camera slows down to stick with Jesse as she gets lost in the scrum. And we see her kind of frantically looking for Ruby. And then the camera, as Jesse starts sprinting to Ruby, the camera sprints with her to catch mm -hmm. up. And she reaches out and she like makes Ruby take her by the hand. And once Ruby takes her by the hand, you kind of see Jesse smile a little bit like, okay, I'm safe. Like I've got my person. And like how many... Any girl in the club, we know what that moment is. And we see them go up to the models and we can't hear a word. The music is still just drowning them out. And then we see them. We see Gigi and Sarah. And Le Abby Lee spends the entire beginning of this movie leaning against things ominously while Gigi is standing bored straight, staring directly ahead. And you just see Ruby's mouth move and she's like, Gigi, Sarah, this is Jesse. And Jesse smiles at them and you just, you see... It cuts to Gigi. You see Gigi smile back just like blankly, but viciously. <laughs> and you see Abby just look her up and down and kind of mm -hmm. just like tilt her champagne glass at her. And from the minute you meet them, you don't get any words. You see lights, you hear music, and you see these two women just like looking like Jesse is a fucking appetizer. From the second they see her, there is that assessment of like, how do we prepare you? What are the ingredients? What is the stew? And right. trying or trying to answer in their heads, like, is she food or is she sex? Mm -hmm. And it is just breathtaking to me the way we immediately establish these like tiers of dominance and intention without hearing anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much it, Jordan. Oh. <laughs> and that's getting us set up for the bathroom scene. Like, this yeah. is all the visual information we get. That's like, right. are you ready? Now we're going to talk about it. Right. And then we go straight to seeing, like, Bella point, like, painting her beautiful mouth with the glossiest lip gloss possible. So and, glossy. And, like, cleaning, cleaning the lipstick off the inside of her lips by doing the finger trick. And it's just, like... Mm -hmm. There are so many sensual cues that are like detached from sexuality and just made into like performance art. It's just performative, yeah. It's just performance. Like there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing sexual. Like the like the no. idea of what is what is erotic about this movie is just aesthetics generally. It's like I'm really turned on by beautiful things. But the right, idea right. of like, oh wow, that thing that Bella just did was like really erotic. It's like, no, nothing these women are doing is erotic. There's nothing right. erotic about any of this. No, this is so much more ref and read some Judith Butler than <laughs> yeah. ref and watched porn. Like this is not porny. Yes. This is very like gender identity and like what are the signifiers of womanhood and mm -hmm. like how do these women trade and grade each other on these signifiers? Like I think of the fact <laughs> that like the question in the bathroom before they get to are you food or are you sex? Yes. Is like what lipstick color would you be? Yes. Like, what would your shade name be? Mm -hmm. And of course, Abby leaves is fuck off. Fuck off. She doesn't care. She's yeah. She's not interested <laughs> in answering this question. You know? What about you, Sarah? What would your lipstick be called? Fuck off. Act. And Jesse doesn't really have an answer. No. And to be saved by having to give whatever answer she would give, Ruby tells her to open her mouth. So yep. Ruby is really like, I feel like in this movie, what's interesting is Ruby to me feels like the most malevolent patriarchal mm -hmm. force. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because Agreed. I feel like she yeah. is the one who somewhat distills all of these things that like I as a woman fear that a man would do uh-huh and so it's interesting yeah, to take all so of right. that like to take all of that like malintent mm -hmm. and put it in gina malone 
<laughs> Seriously. But, like, but I, I really feel like that's sort of the mind fuck of the movie. Because, you know, we see there is Keanu. I don't want to discredit the Keanu character who we'll meet. Right. Or like we, I'm sure we'll talk about as well, Christina Hendricks. Who yes. also very much is like a tool of the complicity of the industry and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So there's every, everyone is sort of out for themselves in a certain kind of way. But I feel like. With in Keanu and Christina, scene. you know that you know their intent from the moment you meet them. You you right. know they wear on their sleeve the threat that they are. And but don't you think Ruby does that too, though? In, yeah, like in, we said, Ruby in the way that the you're trained, in the way that you become trained to recognize that as yeah. a threat. Whereas I think she, I, why why she's such perfect fresh meat for Ruby Jesse because she's clearly not trained for it and she it seems like sort of like a classic abuser figure they Mm -hmm. know who to find in a crowd and it's not about finding the weak ones it's just finding the ones that they know will be susceptible to them it's not a question of if you were stronger this wouldn't have happened to you if you were smarter this wouldn't have happened to you it's it's the grooming She's mm-hmm. the one who will groom. She's the nice, she's the nice guy mm-hmm. who you you could you could assume that your trust would be well invested in if you pursued this person. And she intentionally weaponizes that trust. Yeah. Right. I love that you called it a, a fairy tale earlier because in my notes yeah, I have completely. that that uh, Ruby is most definitely um Cinderella's stepmother. Mm-hmm. Where she should be, yeah, she should be very trustworthy. She should have everything in control and be able to help all of her children. Yeah, um, but she really sets these these two specific sisters up mm-hmm. um, to take down Cinderella. You and, are so you know, right about that. It, yeah, it's absolutely what this dynamic is. It's the whole, mm-hmm. you know, Tremaine family. <laughs> <laughs> Um, You're and, so, and the fact I mean, that, yeah, because Jesse's going off to the ball and they're fucking yeah. pissed about it. Mm-hmm. And again, the fact that Ruby's name is the color red, she's mm. she's the dangerous one. <laughs> you are right. Oh my God, it's all there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I definitely had not thought about, you know, like color theory in terms of me being like, it's pretty. Because, like, <laughs> yes, you know. That's my move. Yeah, I'm like, right. oh, I'm it's like, so oh. gorgeous. Look yeah. at Abby Lee's face. <laughs> yeah, but like, I had never thought about the ruby red stuff, which is all, which is fascinating. And then the that's first awesome. lipstick that that um, Gigi mm-hmm. is putting on is also red rum as well. Yep. Yeah. So ev- oh, everything plays yes. into it. Oh man! God damn it, Refin! <laughs> God damn it, you man! You complex bastard! <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, I like how like a, a thing I appreciate uh, so much about this scene is I feel like if you're if you're somebody who's not going to buy into what the ride you're about to go on, I feel like you'd hear the dialogue and be like, okay, like it, it you right. could hit you and it could make you kind of groan because mm-hmm. we just like we just get so dead on into it, but it's a thing to me where. Because the malevolence of the value of the, the value system that has been allowed to like flourish and infect people in like the Hollywood ecosystem and the fashion ecosystem, that that cannibalism, that using of people, that that degrading of of women and queer people and anybody who could be conceived as like other or marginalized that you can take advantage of when you give you dangle that one carrot in front of them, mm-hmm. um, is that it doesn't like subtlety is useless to me in this moment like the idea of them talking around it they wouldn't because who's they're not going to waste their fucking time having like a subtle conversation not these women not these witches they're Mm -hmm. too angry they've seen too much and they've got this little bitch in front of them who stands to upset their power balance that they are tenuously hanging on to that they know that they at least can understand and sort of control their little triumvirate the way it just jumps right in with, you know, Jenna Malone being like, so, you know, what's your lipstick color? Like marketers have found that, you know, people buying lipstick are, are most responsive to colors that are either named for food or sex. So, you know, what would your lipstick shade be? And then we have, of course, like you said, we get each of them playing along in the way that they do or not in the form of Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then we just get, go straight into the question. So. Are you food or are you sex? And then we have Sarah being like, all she really wants to know is, who are you fucking? Sorry? What? Isn't that what everyone wants to know? 
Pretty new girl walks into a room, everyone's head turns, looks her up and down, wondering, who's she fucking? Who could she fuck? And how high can she climb? And is it higher than me? She gives that, and she just lays it all out right there in the way that it's like, geez, guys, this conversation isn't realistic at all. Because when you meet people, you don't do this. It's like, well, I believe that these particular girls, when they meet people, do do this. But also, the point isn't to feel like the real world. The point isn't to feel like a normal world. This is... This is a fable. This is a fairy tale. So every person along the way is like either a lesson you need to learn or a trial you need to pass. Yeah. And that is why they exist for the heroine that is Jesse. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then here's this question. So we've discussed that like, it's very much like you can't look for realism here. Like that's an, a foolish end game. What do you think about like the weird witchy performance that they all watch at the club? Is there anything deeper to that than just like, it looks hella cool? Or do you feel like that's sort of our clue from the beginning that like, there is something fantastical happening here if you're willing to look for it? I would say, I would say it is, I, 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 I like the idea of it just being like a fuck around scene that looks really cool. But I think because, mm-hmm. and I think the, I think the commentary in this scene, like if it is me and William bought the iTunes version of this movie. So there is like the audio track that goes along with it where um, the, there's a great quote from Refn uh, that, that we mentioned before we started recording where Refn says. A lot of this movie is a ceremonial uh, celebration of narcissism. Mm-hmm. And so it, I guess that the person who they have, because in the sort of Shabari bondage um, mm-hmm. setup, is a crew member. Because <laughs> oh, he was, really? Because he wow. was like, isn't that wild? Would anybody get tied up? Because we need a person for this. So <laughs> this, it was a crew member who was just like, I'll do it. So they have like a just a crew member, and Elle didn't know that. So in the audio commentary, she's like, Wait, so that was a crew member? Yeah, it was a, a wardrobe girl. No way. He's like, yeah, we just, we needed a volunteer. (laughs) Guys, the audio commentary, at least as far as I've, I haven't listened to the whole thing so far, is so much of Revan saying something and Elle being like, what? Like, (laughs) are you kidding me? The whole thing is gold, the whole thing. (laughs) Imagine just like the driest tactician person you could imagine talking about this in Refn with just like the giddiest, as Angelina Jolie said, 10,000 gorgeous, adorable bunnies. I'm Elle Fanning. There's Elle. my name right there. <laughs> watching yeah. a watching this movie with this man, and they're like, "Ooh, now we're just watching this movie. This is fun." And occasionally, Elle just like erupting into giggles at things that Revan <laughs> is saying and learning about the movie as she goes. And so, in that setup, that is that becomes like it becomes the most intense example of what we've seen up to this point where when when jesse's watching the world the world is watching jesse and Mm -hmm. as this strobe effect is happening the women are arranged yet again around her in this sort of posture of readiness to like seize upon her and in the strobes we just see it will cut back to Gigi and sarah and we'll see them alternately looking at the alternately looking at the, the model the shibari model and then we'll see them with that strobe effect you don't see their eyes travel just suddenly it's like the light blinks off and blinks back on again and they're just staring at her right and so you just see their piercing beautiful blue eyes and their gorgeous faces like their looking skin they're stupid their <laughs> stupid perfect skin their stupid moisturized beautiful skin. dewy glistening just like staring at her her utterly emotionless. Bella Heathcote mm-hmm. looking so beyond the realm of tangible human being, it's unbelievable. And then the way that the way that Ruby looks at her is different. There is this right. different kind of regard. This this more insidious way of like, Elle looks back at her at one point, Jesse looks back at her, and she kind of like starts giggling because this is all so crazy. And the way Ruby giggles back at her, like, yes, sweetie. And the mm-hmm. like the, the grooming and ingratiating that she's doing with her. And then we cut to see the model just floating suspended it seems like in space like back arched like legs and arms tied together and i think the bondage of that scene as we're watching this young girl see a woman tied together in intricate gorgeous ropes who is a human being but an art piece and suspended in air and sort of subject to the person manipulating whatever strings she's on to keep her floating above the ground I think as we watch that and we cut back and forth to Jesse seeing it happen and the women sort of looking for her strings as she stands there with the, like the bondage and indicative of sort of like a 
path that they're all willfully embarking onto um, with their varying degrees of awareness about the industry, I think there is more to me than, than mm-hmm. just, this looks fucking cool. Even if that would honestly be a suitable enough answer for me. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's like a suitable enough rough an answer, but there's more yeah. to that. Yeah. I think she's an offering and I think mm. they're watching her be an offering. Mm-hmm. And so I always like that. And I don't know if either of you noticed that, but when they're watching it, are the three of them arranged in a triangle around Jesse or not yet? I didn't, I can't, I don't know how to orient tell, necessarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was, it would be like one of those like odd. Isosceles. Yeah, an isosceles <laughs> triangle yeah. as opposed to something more tidy because they are at like, you do have like, Ruby is off to one point And mm-hmm. then as they are always next to each other, Sarah and Gigi, uh, Gigi is set back behind Sarah. So yeah. they aren't just standing in a line. Okay. There is a formation of some sort that they are in. Okay. Because I'm always trying flank, to look though. for triangles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's still a flank though. Yeah. I'm just always trying to look for triangles in this movie. And I feel like I like mm-hmm. see them where they're not there. <laughs> but like, is that one? <laughs> <laughs> Did we find, well, the, I mean, the, the posture of the body that that woman is, is not, not a triangle. The, the, right. the Shibari model, the way she's held up over the air. And yeah, I just, I think, I oh think yeah. Can, about as, sorry. No, no, continue. No, please, William, please. William, please. About as as triangle as a human body can get Honestly. In is is probably that, and I think that the that model represents um, the actual neon demon. Mm. Um, so if we if we go mm. back to that very first shot of the movie where yeah. we see Jesse on the couch, um, and the the flash photography is happening, yeah, um, pretty slow. I mean, it's that that reference slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get multiple flashes on her and we see that we we get to know that Jesse in that moment is um, a model. She's enjoying modeling. And this is what she wants to pursue. Um, but when she gets to that party and she she sees this ceremonial thing happening with this model, um, you know, the other girls are are focused on Jesse, mm-hmm. but Jesse's focused on the model. And mm-hmm. I think that 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 model represents the neon demon with all the flashing lights, but more right. intense this time. Mm-hmm. The, Jesse's looking at that model like, I want to be that. Um, mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. to be, I want to have all eyes on me the way yeah. that that person does, but Jesse doesn't realize that all eyes aren't on on that that model, yeah. they're on her already. Yeah. Um, so I think that that this whole scene is, is kind of helping to push Jesse into becoming the neon demon or, or being entranced by the neon demon. Um, it's that, that first step in, in her meeting the neon demon. And I think, I think as I think you saying that, I think that makes a ton of sense because it's too, what, like you said, Jesse thinks everybody's watching the model. Yeah. And so she wants to, and she, you know, wants to be the one who's, who's watched and who people are enamored of, but isn't connecting at that moment that, if she is the hypothetical, if that is an extension of her future, of what she is walking toward, she's walking toward bondage and she's walking toward being bound and she's walking toward all eyes on her, but at what cost? Exactly. And so it's like, it, yeah, like I, I really like that as the idea of it basically showing her the bargain um, and her being so, and, and, and that speaking to the power of the object of fascination, like, that she could look at that and be so in awe of it and, and be drawn to that kind of adoration and attention and spectacle, but not necessarily notice the packaging that it comes in. Yeah. Because the appeal, the lure of that, the incentivization to pursue the ends despite the, the ends, despite the means when it comes to a career in Hollywood, a career in fashion, like kind of volunteering for that sort of hypothetical, like possible exploitation and, and violence the the rewards you could reap have made it worth it for ever like the idea of like we know the cautionary tales at this point that like neon demon didn't tell us a story we didn't know it didn't show us something we didn't know existed it is just a wager that people particularly women have been willing to make for a very long time because the idea of fame and the idea of idolatry is so intoxicating it really can overpower a lot of ways where you could along the way see escape hatches and think you might want to take them and be like no no no. but if I go a little farther if I go a little farther if I get to this point it'll be better if I get to this point it'll be worth it and it just is I think it, it that scene like in the way that you're laying it out really emphasizes 
the deliciousness of what awaits you in this life, what is potentially promised you, the, the living deliciously, and how much that can make you, as Christina Hendricks says, people believe what you tell them. Like people will believe what they're told. Well, just keep telling them. Just keep telling them the dream. You're one. You're one opportunity away, and that is real. That is that is really how this big rock candy mountain that is like the darker side of Hollywood persists because people will keep chasing the dream in spite of the bondage. Right. And I think something too, that's interesting. There are like two things, like one, I feel like it would be interesting to watch the demon dance scene compared with like the apex of the witch Mm -hmm. and like the fire because Mm -hmm. I think the body positioning and the choreography and the blocking of those scenes is actually probably pretty similar yeah um and like sort of like William said and this idea of like it being a fairy tale and all that stuff like there's so much overlap right between like evil woman archetypes Mm -hmm. like witches vampires like all that sort of stuff like there's Mm -hmm. so much similarity in how we perceive how they act or how they behave or how they move in physical space so I think all of that stuff probably is pretty similar and then the one thing that I like Jordan about what you said is this idea of like well, if I rise high enough, mm-hmm. then I won't have to be a victim anymore. Yeah. And I think Jesse gets to that space like later in the film. Mm-hmm. I think like when the sort of the transition happens and she sort of becomes the narcissist that we know all of these women have become. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see, you know, that like Abby and Sarah like those two characters mm-hmm. already realized that like that probably isn't going to happen for them mm-hmm. without some other pivotal moment mm-hmm. yeah. and like here comes Jesse <laughs> here, here comes Jesse you and know it- and and it's like she can be the person who derails it for them Mm-hmm. Or she can be the person that they harness. And uh-huh. I just think like, you know, and, that really and harvest. Yeah. You know, I was gonna say that feeds into it. But, yeah. <laughs> it's it's worth noting that watching uh watching the commentary in the bathroom there we, we were talking about this ahead of time how um they're they're talking about how beautiful this bathroom is and l fanning is talking about how beautiful abby lee is <laughs> and there's this like it, it's the close-up on abby lee when she's talking about like who are you fucking like can she get ahead can she get further than me and the audio track like overrides the dialogue so you just see abby's face talking really without a lot of like audible words and you just hear l fanning be like abby's so pretty <laughs> She was like fully struck by this. And she's like, and she's, and they, they get on this tender, like, and she's so tall. And, and, and Reffin's, and, and Jesse's like, and she's, or Elle's like, yeah, and she's in heels too. And then she like walks out of the frame and Reffin goes, I mean, look at those legs. My God. Like, they can't even handle the reality of Abby Lee. And they're, they're, it is revealed in that commentary. It's just a fun detail. Uh, Reffin didn't know Abby Lee was a model of consequence when he hired her for this movie. Um, and Abby Lee, I didn't know she was a supermodel until you told me. You didn't? No, I had no idea. She came to a casting. I thought, oh, she looks really interesting. And then Liv told me like who she was, but then I didn't really understand how until big she was. When you said she is like huge. And then he asked, like, becoming aware that she was a very big deal in the fashion industry. He then was like, OK, help me bring this more to life. And like, like, you know, let me harness your knowledge as as a, a fashion elite to talk about like the realities and the brutality of this world. But I just can't say enough about the 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 gall to insert the question, uh, are you food or are you sex into a scene? That is just so, um, it's so representative of how women are expected to be. Girls, girls, girls who are mm-hmm. aged up to be women. And this idea that like we turn all girls, we, we inculcate all girls into the sort of at least subconscious awareness that they either need to be food or sex to be desirable in the hierarchy that's extremely true. Like that, it was like, wow, yeah, that's a very plain question that feels deeply, deeply accurate and so viciously, sexistly framed that I've never heard it that way before. But it feels like it is, to me, it names the demon in that moment. Like the idea that it forces everybody to watch somebody ask, are you food or are you sex? And not giggle at the line, but be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Is that right. true? Right. Like, Oh, I think if you really take this movie seriously when you watch it, 
you should be so horrified at how accurate <laughs> the, the the its expressions of of value systems are are sort of like aesthetic value systems in in this particular society we have in us in a society, in a society. Um, oh, like you really you you really should just be agog at this movie and and in, I, right. I don't I wouldn't tell anybody they need to like it but I would tell people that they need to take it seriously for what it's saying it's not just a gag it's, it's not just a music video because this is a critical direly serious question that it's like fuck is that how people talk about their worth yeah it is yeah it absolutely because is. why shouldn't they mm-hmm mm-hmm I know I'm food. I'm not sex. I know I'm food. <laughs> yeah, okay. always. Yeah, definitely been, food. Been working my whole life to get this butterball body. <laughs> food. I know that about myself. But it's funny. We were talking about this before. It sort of feeds into this idea that I think we all agree with that, like, this movie is not sexy. No. <laughs> like, like, no. This movie is not sexy, although it is about sex, but it has this very, like, sort of sterile clinical mm-hmm. very cold quality that i think befits the material because like everybody is like very cynical about this mm-hmm. right like all the characters have sort of like accepted that this like we talked about is like the value system and like how they are rated and mm-hmm. it's how they can compare themselves with each other and everything and so it's like you know like they're looking upon jesse with different kinds of lust Mm -hmm. but it's almost what makes way later on like the necrophilia scene to me almost like campy because it's like i'm not taking this seriously (laughs) like you know (laughs) like i know i know what you're saying but i'm Mm -hmm. not taking this again i'm not taking it as realism no so it's interesting how from the very beginning we're setting a tone that's like outside of reality while still being very analytical in terms of what reality actually is so it's sort of like pulling off both from the beginning which is pretty impressive well and i think for me what the the strongest thing that that allows it to accomplish that and i think this is something you get at in your essay to roxana that it makes it fully stripping the sex of it Mm -hmm. in while allowing sex to be such a dominant part of the conversation truly gets at the expression that this isn't about that this isn't about sexual manipulation when people are sexually exploited it's about power mm-hmm. that it makes it totally an exchange and of a, a seesaw battle of power from one side to another and just makes that subtext the text like yeah right. the sex is a tool to exact power over people so mm-hmm. let's just talk about the power part because mm-hmm. the sex is for a different movie this is about the power yeah hmm man I, I do have a question for this episode. Yes. 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 What I, do you got? So th- this idea that, um, you know, we're, we're playing in the fashion industry where women are um, photoshopped and, and remodeled and changed. And, mm-hmm. and we have this character, Gigi, who has gone through so much um, uh, nip and tuck. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, so there, we haven't even touched on in this scene the fact that, <laughs> that that she lines out Dr. Andrew, her the love of her life in Beverly Hills, who she is his oh like my God. you are in, in like I imagine like a very Will Ferrell James Lipton voice, like talking about <laughs> you are my greatest creation. Yes, like hundred well, percent. Yeah, Gigi is the ultimate creation of Dr. Andrew, and she's explaining this to Jesse as she tells her, "Sweet, plastics is just good grooming. Imagine going a year without brushing your teeth." Exactly. And she, she says, she called. He calls me his bionic woman, and Jesse devastatingly answers and says, "Is that a compliment?" Yeah, and, and incredibly, Gigi can no longer maintain her her absolutely pathetic veneer of kindness, and just goes, "I hear your parents are dead. That must be really hard for you." Like, oh, fuck. Jesse with the headshot and Sarah Gigi responding. But yes, yes, as you were saying, William, I apologize. Well, well, no, this leads right into what I what I want to talk about, because um, that that question from Jesse, do we believe that it's an innocent question or do you do we think that she's already picking up and learning from them about how to be devastating? Um, That's a good question. mm -hmm. Because I, because there's, there's so much, there's, you know, all of these girls are kind of working 
or at least the three girls, um, uh -huh. Jesse, are kind of working on this um, synthetic notion. They have this, this, um, mm -hmm. this, you know, facade yeah. on that they're presenting to Jesse. Um, and are are do we think that Jesse has a facade as well, or do we think that that her arc is that she comes into this fully innocent and changes later on? This I is such a good question because I think you could answer both ways. Yeah. And I, I think I yeah, think you can have a reading. Well, I think you can have a reading where she's totally innocent. But mm -hmm. I thought this earlier when Jordan said this. Um, but when Jordan said about how like Jesse like loses Ruby in the crowd and then like puts her hand out for Ruby to grasp mm -hmm. and all that stuff, like that moment has always read as very artificial to me. Really? Think, Ooh, yes, fascinating. Because I think from the beginning, you know, again, it's that sense of like, I think from the beginning, Jesse thinks that she can play with this group and that she mm. can become ingratiated by them and use them to her own end because I think she actually does that with everyone yeah. um but I think you know I think she is not dumb and I think she senses what Ruby wants mm -hmm. and I think up until a certain point she is willing to give that to Ruby mm -hmm. so I think when she you know reaches for her hand and they grasp it I do think there probably is some part of an authentic like I found you mm -hmm. again, like we'll be safe together sort of thing. But I think Jessie is also very sly. Mm -hmm. um, She's not, not, yeah. Yeah, and so I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. And I would love to know, does Refn ever address that in the commentary? He hasn't yet. Yes. Oh, oh good. Okay. Ooh, oh, like a reveal is on the way. I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you, Jordan, if you want to finish the commentary. But Okay, yeah. I'll I'll say I'll say my thing now and then I want to hear your answer after because I I completely see where Ro Roxanne is coming from and I and my I'm so glad that's your answer cuz mine is the opposite. Like I mm. I don't think she's totally a babe in the woods. I think mm -hmm. she, she's she's definitely doing that thing where she she is mature she she mm -hmm. has had to form clearly survival skills in the right. absence of care for her and right. she's made canny decisions i think she's a little bit doing that thing at the start of the movie where she's over she's she thinks she's a little bit more ahead of the game than she is mm -hmm. so it's you know this notion of you know well, i can t i can take care of myself you know it's like well you can but not like that like come right. on girl. yeah you're still 16 yeah you're a whatever. fucking <laughs> child like yeah you're you're still a fucking child and so yeah. She knows that that's a thing she needs to do. And I think she's aware in sort of that, not like precocious young person way, but in the way that like teens feel invincible kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I know mm -hmm. what's really going on. But to me, it is, I think one of the reasons, I, I think the, the key reason for its potency and what they recognize as the potency of Jesse is, is the authenticity of the of the purity at least in those very very beginning stages and i think why that lands so hard for sarah for gigi when she's like is that a good thing to be bionic is because mm -hmm. it is because of what feels so much like the unmotivated unvarnished unawareness that that would be the worst thing you could say to her <laughs> and it's just like wow you sincerely are so detached from how these power plays work that mm -hmm. I can't even make one on you because you don't know the rules to the fucking game, you bitch. Like, you're not even playing in my game, so I can't right. use the maneuvers I know work. Oh, screw you. And just like, I heard your parents are dead. Like, and in that, the because like right shortly after that comes the moment too where, um, I think it's right after that where um, Sarah asks her like, so, you know, are you having sex? Who are you having sex with? Yeah. Do you have right. sex with men? And Jesse right. does that perfect, like, high school, like you said, Roxana, the cool girl asks you the question you don't know how to answer, and she just fumbles, like, do you have sex with men? Yeah, like, all the time, lots of times. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Like, so so much, like, can't stop having sex all the time. Yeah. Like, it's just it's so... A real, it's a real Tina Belcher moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a real like i do sex i love to do sex sex mm -hmm. i do sex things all the time sex and, good yeah, yeah <laughs> sex sex good like it'd be me answering like yeah i fucking know how to answer that question i've never had it but like sex is awesome everybody does that stuff um and i think in 
there's that, but there's that moment too, where like it calls into question because you have like in the, I love throughout that entire scene, how you see specifically, specifically you see Sarah watching uh, Jesse in the mirror. You don't see mm-hmm. the other girls watching her in the mirror. You see anytime Elle's looking in it, you see, you see Abby behind her, just like filling the frame with her long body, <laughs> still leaning, still mm-hmm. leaning against a pillar. She has so that rusty stole. Ryan lean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the way that, and when, when she does just like shred, shred Gigi in that moment, the way you just see Sarah be like, <laughs> like cover her mouth and laugh off to the side like <laughs> she like she skewered you asshole like all of these women just delighting in each other's ruination it's incredible yeah like they love each other and they hate each other they love like each other in equal measure yeah it's a perfect yeah. it's a perfect rendering of a very certain very real kind of girl friendship not mm-hmm. all girl friendships but a very specific very real kind yeah. And I think like there's that moment where Jessie looks in the mirror and she sees herself having the lipstick applied to her where she looks kind of scared, like, shit, that was an intense interaction with all these girls. But then you hear, like, Ruby call out for her, like, Jesse, are you coming? And she looks in the mirror and she kind of smiles at herself. Like, she's not mad. She's mm-hmm. like, okay, like, I'm going to get back out there. And then we see her follow Ruby. And then once again, like, she's sort of dependent on Ruby's physical cues to get her to go places and, and commit to things. Where Ruby passes through the curtain on the way to the, like, the Shibari show. And she re- we see her, like, reach back through. And that's when, like, Jesse grabs her hand and they go through together. And they sort of, like, pass the threshold into right. this ceremony. And right. so I, I think the, I, I, I lean toward the question of innocence. But I think the possibility of the awareness is what makes it so good. Is that it, ooh, yeah. but it could be, ooh, but it could be. William, what is it? it what be. is it? Well, I'll start out by saying my first watch of this movie, actually probably my first few watches of this movie, <laughs> I was under the impression that she was innocent up until that point where mm. the, the actual change happens later at the runway. Um, and her, Elle Fanning's, um, performance is so complex um, that there are little nuances. The more that I watch this movie, Mm -hmm. the more I pick up on she's not quite that innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So like this whole thread of these first couple of scenes, starting with um, when she first tells Ruby that her parents aren't around anymore. Yeah. um, In that, in the, where she's wiping the makeup off. my, you know, watching it over and over again, I'm starting to question why aren't her parents around? <gasps> I feel you like she killed her parents. Oh my god! I feel is that, like do you think it's possible? Because because we also know that her oh my mother god, I, always told her she was a dangerous girl. A dangerous so what is girl. what is the relationship between her and her mother? What and she happened says with her in mother? that dangerous girl monologue too, and she's right. I am dangerous. Right. And Love so <laughs> so the more I watch this, the more I watch this, the more I'm picking up on little things like that. Um, William's and- become a truther. William has become <laughs> a neon demon truther. And I love that. The, the way she the way she says that line where she's where um, Jen- Ruby is asking, you know, where are your parents? And she's just like, oh, they're not around. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're just not around. And that's well, when that's she asks, it. like, what do your parents think of this? She goes, they don't like she says something like they don't think much at all. Like, exactly. It's 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 a weird little it's a weird little way that she phrases it that it's kind of like that mm, you did something so that they can't think anymore. Um, <laughs> you know what's funny though is that puts like an entirely different character on her relationship with Gloosman's character too. Yeah. Oh yeah, it he, makes her a straight yeah. up predator. <laughs> yeah, because like later on, like he is so unnerved by like the reveal of her age mm-hmm. and. Like by her transformation. Oh, that's good. Oh, William. Okay, wait. So what is it? What is it? Well, well, then we get to the you know the bathroom scene where mm-hmm. um, Gigi, um, you know, where she she gives this jab to Gigi, and it doesn't. It feels like she might know what she's doing. She might know what shade and reading is. She mm-hmm. might just right. be there already. <laughs> um, and when Gigi responds, um, so I hear your parents are dead. Her Jesse's reaction is to glare, and it's it's the way that she looks at Ruby because Ruby's the only one that knows this information. Yeah, mm. um, it's the first viewing. I really thought it was a oh my gosh, how could you tell them? Mm. Um, but subsequent viewings, I feel more like it's a you bitch, you told them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what you mean. Where like not like she feels wronged, but like you're blowing up my spot. 
Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I feel like, I, I mean, she's still in the beginning stages. She she isn't as far in as Gigi and Sarah and, mm-hmm. and Ruby, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's some inkling there that she knows what she's doing and she's really ready to get into it. And so in the commentary, there are moments throughout the the movie where Jesse has these jabs that she gives mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like almost every time that a jab comes up, Ruffin and Elle both say, and she knows what she's doing. Okay. So, okay. I'm, and, and again, Ruffin is not the director that's going to give you all the answers. Right, of course. Right. right. But there's just him saying that and, and Elle saying that and him agreeing mm-hmm. with Elle. Um, of course, Elle being the character, she knows what the character's thinking. Yeah, right. Um, she so knew for how to Elle play to say her. that, right. yeah, it's, there's something there that Jesse is not as innocent as we might think she is. Well, and I, I think too what what uh, what makes this such a what makes this such a tremendous performance from from L is that you're working like given the the sort of minimalist yet maximalist nature of it, you have to do so much with the least possible. So mm-hmm. she kno- she obviously knows the whole story of the character, so she's bringing all of that knowledge into every interaction she has, and the but she still has to go through her arc from. Angel right. from angel to demon, and so any change and any hint has to be so small as to make sure you're laying groundwork that makes the progression a believable jump. By the time she gets to the end, and she's saying, "I," you know, she gets to the middle, and she's saying, "I don't want to be them; they want to be me." And then right. she's like, full fucking like face of makeup, standing on like looking like she's floating above a swimming pool. The the floating model being like, "I'm a dangerous girl," and like, "I know what I look like. What's wrong with that anyway?" Yeah, I I've always loved that. Yeah, yeah I know what I and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I. Know <laughs> you know what I look like? What's wrong with that anyway? And I am pretty and I can make money off pretty. Right. We know so she knows that the entire time. So you have to, I think it's, for me, it's her, like, she knows the things that work because kids know things, that, the things that work, that get them what they want. Right. And it's, I think the movie is her achieving a greater awareness for darker light achieving a greater awareness of the extent of her power and the range of things she can manipulate to get what she wants. So it's like, I think, I do think she knows this, that like, despite like me being on the side of purity, she knows the ways that like, she's gotten things that she wanted from people in her life. And she knows Mm -hmm. she can do that. But as it works more and more and at a bigger and bigger level to the point of like career success and notoriety, yet at the end of every day, she goes back home to that shitty motel in Pasadena, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the brutal reality (laughs) of it. And I, I think it's like realizing like, oh, oh, this is what this gets me. Like I was in my little town in whatever fucking Oklahoma, but now the context I'm in in like big shiny Los Angeles, the things I can get myself using the tricks that I've always relied on, it turns out they're actually pretty big and cool. And I absolutely fucking love that terrifying idea of this girl selling it all out to climb to the top of, not climb Dude. to the top of the ladder, to just- Float. still not enough that's what i was gonna say though that it's still not enough Absolutely. and that is almost what makes it more yeah. fascinating because it makes it makes Gigi and sarah so much more villainous yeah that yeah. uh-huh. they are able to undercut somebody who potentially has done you know some wheeling and dealing of her own mm-hmm. but i would be really interested now to go back to the final face-off haunted house murder scene are we having a party or something right and to see how she like wields the knife and like how does she think that she can survive this and obviously she doesn't imagine abby lee in those heels probably during three (laughs) running at you at a dead sprint in an impeccable suit no, I can't. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I won't. I can't. I won't. I refuse. <laughs> holding I like a fucking tire iron. I, I mean, holding like a fire iron over her head. Yeah, She's, no. I love talks it, like, in the. Sorry. No, no, I'm no, saying, William. <laughs> yeah, William. What is it? Reffin talks in the commentary about how um, that scene was supposed to be shot differently, Ooh. but the cameraman couldn't keep up with Abby Lee. And the girls running. Um, I love that. Just couldn't. So in they, their they ended heels. up doing it the way, yeah. And I mean, fuck, if you've trained yourself to wear those insane outfits and the ridiculous things you have to wear on a runway, I feel like the idea of sprinting in heels is like, bitch, 
This is not. I've been doing this since I was a six foot 15 year old. Like, (laughs) don't talk to me about running in heels, cameraman. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) 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 Again, at that height, she's probably like at least six two. Like, ah. Yeah, I would think. <laughs> You're like, I, I can't. I won't. I can't. I won't. <laughs> they terrify me. It's like a murderous giraffe. Like, <laughs> land speed, cruising land speed. Um, Okay, well then, I think that brings us to a nice buttoned up end to the discussion of the Are You Food, Are you food or Are You Sex episode of the whole movie Neon Demon podcast. And I think that means on the next one, we will be diving deep into I can make money off pretty, um, which I would say, like, it's useless for me to say, oh my God, I'm so excited for this one because I feel that way about every single thing we're going to talk about. Right. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've learned so much in these or just two episodes from hearing you guys talk about like the, the Cinderella and her sisters. Like that's, a, I, that is one. I, all I, the, all the smart stuff is coming from William. <laughs> No, I, no, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, you're like he's, you're just like poised. You you're just like in the tall no. grass, and then you come out <laughs> with like this beautiful, beautiful oh, assertion man. and analysis. It's so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is this is the good stuff. Um, so I in in our sign offs, then uh, anything you would like to direct anybody to. Oh man. Um, I wrote 6,000 words on Jeremy Saulnier's movies for Roger Ebert. Wow. If you're interested, damn. if you have seen Blue Ruin or Green Room or Hold the Dark and you're interested in reading about that, that I think I might need a few week. words on Hold, few thousand words on Hold the Dark actually to really like. I'm definitely the person who is like, nah, I'm not smart enough to get that thing. So I'm just going to like take it on the surface level. So I yeah. need someone to parse it for me. I mean, talk about a fairy tale shit <laughs> yeah that's yeah. very much how i read hold the dark but yeah if you want to read that that would be cool okay cool william what about you yeah i'm just at william o tyler at all social medias um working on a new comic project that's all about um black queer anxiety um mm. over on my patreon that's patreon.com slash william o tyler um otherwise yeah i'm just around <laughs> okay great great and i am a Twitter, uh, Jordan uh, Crucial on Twitter, Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U, and patreon.com slash Cruciola. You can throw money at both of us if you like, and I encourage you to do so. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Uh, like, we're doing this together, but I'm still going to, like, thank you. Like, you're doing me a massive favor, William and Roxana, for doing this podcast with me because I'm. this is exactly as, like, interesting as like, this is exactly the kind of conversation I've always wanted to have about this movie. So I, I'm so glad that we're doing this together. And I look forward to, I can make money off pretty on our next episode. I don't want to be them. They want to be me.